right, let's get into the word. Let's welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Joe, as he comes up. I don't have my mic. Do I have my mic on? Yeah, I do have my mic on. That was weird. I'm like, wait, I don't feel anything. How are we doing tonight? Good. I'm moving back because this light is very annoying. And I want to be able to see things. I got spoiled there for the last few months being able to sit down on, on Wednesday nights and just uh, having that table there in front of us. So we're going we're gonna to be doing some teaching, straight teaching like we have in the past for the next, probably next couple of months. Um, this is, what I'm going to present to you tonight was kind of dropped in me at 3 o'clock this morning. Last night, I was looking over my notes. I have a series that I want to start. I thought I was going to start tonight, but it just I was looking at the notes, and just something just wasn't sitting right. Like, it wasn't, like, it's not the topic is not appropriate, but it was more like it's not the time right now. So I'm like, when I, before I went to bed last night, I was like, Lord, I, I need to have confidence that I'm teaching what I'm supposed to be teaching. So uh, literally, I prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, Wake me up early in the morning and give me fresh eyes. You know, I don't know if, if you can relate to what I'm going to say. Sometimes when you're dealing with a subject and you've been dealing with it for a long time, you almost get boxed in like you can't see beyond that. So it was just amazing how, again, I woke up. It was 3 o'clock. woke up bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and uh, literally with, with fresh eyes to see what needed to be uh, taught tonight. So the message I'm bringing you tonight is about taking off or getting rid of or just throwing off the limitations in life. I don't know about you, but I, I do not feel, I get very, I don't feel comfortable with limitations, uh, especially when you feel like you need to accomplish things, either, either, either being the head of a house or uh, I remember this, you know, being in business. It's like when you feel like you have limitations, it's like something shuts down on the inside. Uh, especially in ministry, when you feel like there's limitations, you feel like there's, there's obstacles, there's hindrances. And those are spiritual things. We understand that. Uh, but it's kind of, it's hard to operate and flow in what God has for you and what God has called you to when, there's, when you sense limitations. A box, I don't, I, I don't like boxes. I don't like to be stuck in a box. I don't like, well, this is the way we always did it. Let's do it now. No, just because you said that now, we're going to do it different. <laughs> Don't like that. We like to be innovative here. We like to, to really hear from God and, and do it the way God wants us to do things. And so this subject, I think, tonight, um, I believe, is going to minister to you. Uh, I believe that it's going to maybe free some people up in some areas tonight. And so uh, why don't we just jump in? Amen. I want to start off with this statement. There is only one entity in the universe that can limit God, and it is not the devil. I'm going to say it again, because I know you're probably going like, what? There is only one entity in the universe that can limit God, and it isn't the devil. The devil has never limited God, okay? He's never outfoxed him. He's never outmaneuvered him. Um, God doesn't honor the devil's will. But God will honor our will. Because he loves us. 
And he's given us free choice. He's given us a mind. He's given us the ability to process information. He's given us the ability to um, make decisions. He's given us the ability to gather evidence that gives us the material that we need to make educated decisions. So pay special attention to the scriptures that I'm going to read to you from, for tonight. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78, verse 40. Now, Psalm 78 is, is a unique psalm amongst the psalms. Psalm 78 can be called the psalm of remembrance because it talks a lot about what God has done in the past. It talks a lot. Of, it's a history psalm. It talks about the history, uh, very much covers the history of the Exodus. Okay? But when we come down to verse 40, I want you to see what was the thing that limited the Israelites. Verse 40, how often they provoked him. Him is God. That's, do you know it's a serious thing when we provoke God? Uh, yeah, we, we should never knowingly be doing that kind of stuff. And if we do it unknowingly, uh, we thank God for the mercy of God that he wakes us up to that, makes us realize that we're getting in dangerous territory. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him. You know, God can be grieved. The Holy Ghost can be grieved. Spirit of God can be grieved. And grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. Look at the next phrase. You want to read it with me nice and loud? And limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. Look, verse 42 tells us how they did that. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. And that's a dangerous thing that we can do. Let me just spend a, a moment here talking about that. Gratitude and remembrance is so important in the life of a believer. Thank you for that one amen. Gratitude and remembering what God has done in our lives is such an important principle for us as believers. You see, because we draw strength for the future when we remember what God has done in the past. I'm going to say it again. We draw strength for the future when we remember what God's done in the past. Say, well, I'm really new to this thing, and I don't really have that much of a track record. Oh, yeah, no, you'll find out in the future that God was there for you all the time. You didn't know he was there, but he was there. How many of you could remember situations before? You don't even know what I'm going to say, and you got your hands up already. <laughs> Wait, I appreciate your passion and your willingness, but how many of you can remember things that happened before you were saved, before you knew him, that he rescued you from death, he rescued you from shame? He re oh, man, I can think of a situation that if God did not intervene, dear Lord, what a scandal I would have caused. Are you listening to me? So we draw strength from the future when we remember what God has done in the past. And it's so important to have that track record. Psalm 78 is meant to remind the Israelites, to remind the Jewish people, to remind God's chosen ones of what he did in the past so that they would gain strength for their future. How often they provoked him in the wilderness. So we're talking about the Exodus experience. And grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. How many times did God say, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to wipe them all out. I'm going to start from scratch. 
And Moses would have to stand in the gap, and Moses would become the intercessor and say, if you do this, the other nations are going to say that you weren't capable of bringing your people into the promised land. And he would negotiate with God. Amen? Amen. So it's crazy to think that we, mere humans, can limit the king of the universe. And how do we do that? As it states here, we don't remember, we're not trusting, not placing 100% of our faith and confidence in him. And listen, that's something we work on all the time. Because it's inevitable. Every time we face a challenge, we're also faced with having to contend with the thoughts, well, he came through for you the last time, but you don't know if he's going to come through this time. You, can't, you know, you made it the last time, you know, you're okay, you, you face the challenge, but then the new challenge that comes up, the new adversity that you face, you've got to contend with the thoughts, okay, maybe I stepped out of God's will. Maybe there's something involved here that I don't see happening. I don't see it. I'm just seeing the surface here. And we're left to contend with the thoughts. Maybe he's not going to come through this time. But we know that's not true. We know that's a lie because he's faithful. That should have got a bigger response. He's faithful. Say, so well, is he faithful to me? He's faithful to his promise. And when we trust him, then those promises are faithful to us. We cannot forget that. So, I did a little bit of deeper studying, and I'm glad I did. Because the word limited that is used in, that, in Psalm 78, that word limited um, is a Hebrew word, tova, two different, tova. And it means this, to make a mark or to set a boundary. So, in context, when you read it in context in verse 41, it's as if Israel, by their lack of remembering, by their lack of trust, literally set a boundary for God, declaring, you can go so far with us and no more. It's to build a wall through lack of faith and confidence in him. Now, let's talk about this a little. What? Pam, can we go back? Okay, the limited, the word limited. If you, if you send me an email, I'll send you the notes. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've done that. People have asked me. You send me an email, I'll send you the notes. I'm sorry. No, nothing to be sorry about. Tova means to make a mark or to set a boundary. This is dangerous. This is serious. Because we don't realize how often we do this. Now, our faith is always going to be limited. I got to get out from these lights tonight. They're really bothering me. <laughs> Our faith is limited to the knowledge that we have of God's word. Okay? You did not have faith to believe God for salvation until you found out there was a promise of salvation in the word of God. Yes or no? Yes. I didn't know. I had no idea. Never. I mean, I was Mr. Devote Catholic growing up, and I was the most devo devout one in the family. You know, and, and I had no idea that there was this thing, salvation, that really I had to activate. I, I don't like really using that word, but I don't know another word to use. I had to cooperate. Like maybe that's a better word. I had to cooperate with God for me to attain salvation. I grew up, much like most of you in this room, either, either in a Catholic background or some type of religious Christian denomination, um, we were 
whether consciously or subconsciously, led to belief that our good works were going to be the thing that was going to get us to heaven. Am I the only one here? Our good things, our good deeds. So if you worked a bingo, you know, those were good marks. In heaven, God went, okay. If you, uh, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you, if you donated a stained glass window or uh, you did good deeds, you know, you, you went and fed the poor and all that stuff. We were led to believe that. So, so I could not have faith for salvation until I was told that my salvation depended on my faith and it was a free gift from God by his grace. Are you getting this? So now once, once we found that out, we're like, yeah, I want this. Sure, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. Yeah, I receive salvation. Are you listening? Yes. Now, every other area of our life has to go through that same process. So one of the things that can limit us in life is a lack of the knowledge of the word of God. Our faith is dependent. Our faith stops where the knowledge of God's will stops for us. For instance, over this past year, two years, we've been talking a lot about the second coming. Okay? Growing up in church, second coming, I never knew that was a thing. Never had any idea about that. But coming into a born-again, spirit-filled church where the Bible is preached, I started to understand, oh, so the first time he came, he came as a baby. Next time he comes, he's coming as king. I understand that. And so now I can have faith in the second coming because I have knowledge of the promises pertaining to the second coming. Does anybody know? Are you listening? You, you hear what I'm saying tonight? So those areas, every area of our life has got to be saturated with the word of God and the knowledge of the word so that we know the promises. When we know the promises, we know what he's willing to do for us. And that brings relief. Amen? Okay. There was a time in my early Christian life, um, we had a business here in town. The business was doing good. It was making lots of money. Uh, we were doing well. We had a house back in this neighborhood. I bought a two-family house on the other side of town, uh, made money on that. You know, both apartments were rented. We were, it, was, it was good. Things were good. I did not have to pay so much attention to the promises about provision because I had provision. Once things dried up and things changed and I made a couple of really stupid decisions uh, and investments, it shifted quick. So then I had to, and it was okay, because it was a good learning lesson, you know? I mean, there's some things you can't go to college to learn. So I looked at it this way. Whatever money I lost was tuition. If I went to school, I had to pay tuition. If I made some mistakes and it cost me money, I paid tuition. But it seems like when you do it that way, you learn a lot more, okay? So now I had to learn the promises pertaining to provision. I had to understand the mechanism and the vehicle by which God would provide for us because there again, it wasn't like God goes from heaven, oh, let me just send a dump truck full of cash. He doesn't normally do that. Okay, I'd like to see it. (laughs) But he doesn't normally do that, okay? What does he do? He allows us to cooperate with his promises. Are you getting this? Because, again, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on this because I don't know what background you came from. Because some of you may have come from backgrounds where they taught you the exact opposite. Okay? 
I heard somebody preach something this afternoon uh, on TV, and I kind of like, you ever have one of those moments when you want to reach in the television and grab the juggler, man? <laughs> I'm just like, what are you talking about? There's people listening to you. <sighs> yeah, I guess I went this far. I better go the rest of the way. <laughs> so, so this person who's normally an unbelievable Bible teacher said something, and I guess he was just flipping about saying it. He really wasn't paying attention to the repercussions. It, well, he was talking about Numbers 13 when the Israelites went into the land and they sent the spies into the land. You remember? They sent, they sent 12 spies. Two of them came back with a really good report. The other 10 squashed it as they came back with a bad report. And then he made, he made the comment, well, who put the giants in the land? I'm going, oh, is he going to go there? And he said, well, God put the giants in the land so that when the people occupied their houses, they'd have houses with high ceilings. <laughs> and I looked at my wife and I went, did I just fall asleep and dream that? Or did he actually say that? Uh, and again, I'm sure I've said some stupid things from up here of time to time. Uh, so uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> Forget about the high ceilings. Why did I even broach that? Oh, because our, our knowledge of God limits our faith. If we don't, the more knowledge of God we have, the more knowledge of the word we have, the greater our faith can accomplish. Okay? And listen, faith is a big thing. Faith is a thing that's been given to us to overcome the adversities of this life. God, did you remember when Jesus is talking at the Last Supper and he says, I'm not going to leave you like orphans? You remember that? John chapter 14. Okay, you remember that, right? Well, well, God pretty much did the same thing in the book of Genesis. Because his creation sinned. And he knew they were going to sin. And he knew they were going to have to live with the consequences of sin. Yes or no? Okay. Like, you know, they tell the joke that uh, Adam and Eve were walking by the garden one day uh, with their kids. And the kids said, well, what is that place? And Adam said, that's the place where your mother ate us at a house and home. Yeah, think about it. Think about it. Okay. So, um, so just like God did not, did not leave Adam like an orphan or to the mercy of the consequences of his sin, God's not going to leave us like orphans. He gives us the things we need while we're here on this planet in order to overcome. Are you listening to me? Yes the adversities of life. Now, some of you maybe have never had any adversities. Has anybody here ever had any adversities? <laughs> Just a couple of people. Okay, so you understand, listen, faith is a big deal because it's the weapon that God has given to us to shove it in the devil's face. The only way you can do that is to operate in faith. Faith is the victory by which we overcome the world. Okay, you listening? So it's a big deal. Why am I making it such a big deal? Because you're not going to overthrow the limitations of life if you're not operating in faith. And you, you know, don't tell me you're operating in faith if you, your confidence level in God is low. Are you getting this? Yes. If we say we have faith, then we should have confidence in God. Now, I know every once in a while we fall into a little pothole here and there, but as long as we get ourselves out of it right away and shake it off and just get back on track with God, okay? 
Uh, are you getting this so far? Did you, are you learning anything tonight? Yes. You glad you came? Yes. So imagine this now. Israel, according to Psalm 78, verse 40, 41, Israel limited tovah. They created a barrier. They set a boundary that God himself would not breach. Because God's not going to force himself on anybody. Okay? People say, well, God made me do something. No, that was you. That was you. Well, I couldn't help it, Pastor. I had to do this because God told me to. No, that was you. You have control over your own soul. Okay? Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, the person would say, well, I, I, you know, I operate as a prophet, so I had to say this. No, you did that. God doesn't force anybody to do anything. It's the devil that drives. God leads. There was this uh, story about this person that went to Israel. I don't remember if it was a pastor or just somebody, missionary, whatever, went to Israel and hired a tour. You know, you can hire a, a guy to drive you around out there, somebody who's knowledgeable. And they, this person said they passed, on the road, they passed this flock of sheep, and they noticed that the shepherd was in the back, and he was, like, hitting the sheep and hitting the sheep and beating the sheep and hitting the sheep and beating them if they went the wrong way. And, and the person said to the tour guide, I'm really confused here. Because I've heard teaching that the shepherd leads the sheep. And the guy said, oh, you're right. But that's not the shepherd. That's the butcher. You get it? That's the butcher. So when you feel driven, 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 like I have no control over myself. I have no control over this. I have no control over my thoughts. I have no control over my conduct. You better be careful and start Asking God to open your eyes and show you, you may have put yourself under the butcher instead of being led by the shepherd. Okay? I can think of stupid mistakes that I made in my life because I put myself under the dominion of the butcher. And I got to do this. And you don't understand, I have to do this. And I got to make this happen. And I got to do this. And I got to do that. And how many of you know that always blows up in your face? Because the mature sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So, they placed a boundary. This, this tape here is a boundary. This tape is here. This isn't just for decoration. Really, I don't think it has any decorative qualities. It's so that anybody that's up here subconsciously doesn't walk off. I think you did it one time. <laughs> I think you're the reason why we put this tape up here. They took the tape up. And Pastor Jerry, in his zeal, walked right off the edge. And he did not begin to sink. He sunk. So, so this is a boundary. You got it? I'm sorry. I couldn't resist it. I put myself under the butcher. Couldn't resist it. So, so this is a boundary. And their lack of trust their lack of remembrance and gratitude, their lack of track record literally caused God to honor this. 
boundary. And it says, and they grieved him. They tempted God. They made him consider wiping them out. Now, that's a serious thing when you get to that point with God, because God is all merciful. God is, is, his endurance is just amazing. But they literally set up the boundaries by which God could relate to them, and they could relate to God. They grumbled. They complained. They were rebellious. They refused to listen to commands and directions that came from Moses. So they put themselves in a position. And I'll guarantee you, amongst those two to two and a half million individuals that were traveling from the Red Sea now to the Promised Land, there were many that said, how could God let this happen to us? Yet, who let it happen? They did. They limited the Holy One of Israel. We place limitations on him. We're supposed to be living a limitless life here on earth. That's how God created us. We're supposed to live. I remember somebody teaching many, probably 30 years ago, somebody teaching living in the land of no horizons. God said to Abram, wherever you put your feet, I'm giving it to you. So just keep walking. But we impose these limitations upon ourselves. Number one, when we doubt him. Number two, when we distrust his intentions. Number three, when we focus on our own abilities. And the way we usually do this is we don't outright say, I just don't believe God can do that. What we'll say is, yeah, no, I totally believe that God is able to do, and you fill in the blanks, but I just don't know if he'll do it for me. Because we somehow mix our worthiness or lack of worth in the process. Is this helping anybody tonight? I feel like, I feel like this is the way we should be going. You know? Because I don't know if you're putting this together and making this connection. But our personal individual worlds, our personal individual lives are shrinking. Things are being imposed upon us. Limitations. Freedoms are being removed from us and have been for the past probably 60, 70 years. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel suffocated. I'm starting to feel that lack of freedom. I'm starting to feel that lack of, of opportunity. I'm starting to feel that concern. You know, I'm not going to finish this tonight, so I'm not going kid to my, kid myself. I'm going to say this because it's over with now, and I can talk about it. But we purchased this building in 2007. Now, we had been in this building since 2001. We were on a lease. We were leasing the space from the person that owned it at that point in time. The two gentlemen that owned the building when we first leased this property, and it was really just this unit here, just this one skinny unit, and the front lobby, without telling us, sold it to somebody else, sold it right out from underneath us to, to another 
uh, two brothers that were partners. So 2007, um, we had, in 2003, I believe, no, 2004, 2005, we purchased um, 10 acres of property in Howell Township. Our, our plan was to build our church there. The only thing I didn't take into consideration is that between the time that we purchased the property and by the time we got the approvals, we outgrew the property. Because the township there would only let us put a building up with so many square feet, and we were beyond that already. And there wasn't enough parking. So we said, okay, what are we going to do? I call my attorney. I call our attorney, the church's attorney, and uh, explain the situation. And he goes, even if you could build over there, it's going to be at least a year and a half before you put a shovel in the ground. And we're in this little... Some of you remembered... Little, with metal folding chairs that were so cold in the winter. Okay. So I'm like, no, we can't, we can't do this. And I'm sitting in my office, which was in the front there where the pastor, pastoral office is now on the right-hand side. And I'm sitting in the office there Thursday afternoon, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I hear on the inside, call the landlord up here and tell him you want to buy the building. And my first thing was, I don't want to buy the building. I don't like this building. <laughs> the building was very ugly back then. Uh, the roof was leaking like a sieve. And, um, but I thought, you know what? I'm, no, I'm, I know I'm hearing this. Let me do this before I talk myself out of it. So I call the landlord up. He picks up the phone right away, which is very unusual. And uh, I told him, he goes, hey, how you doing, Joe? Oh, good. Uh, Danny, his name was. Danny, um, sell me the building. I'm waiting to hear the phone click. And he goes, all right, how much you want to pay for it? I'm like, I'll call you back. Because I swear, I hadn't thought it out that far. I thought, because the guy was after us, because he wanted to take the entire 24,000 square feet, foot building, and make a furniture store out of it, because that's the business they were in, furniture, furniture sales. So... I said, I'll call you right back. I get off the phone. I'm praying. I call him back. And I said to him, I'll give you 2.9. He goes, no, you'll give me 3 million because you know that's the number. And I went, darn, I forgot that, I forgot that the Jews hear from God too. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm, I'm telling you exactly how this worked out. Exactly how this worked out. Okay. Now, some of you know the story because you've heard me tell, me, tell, tell it so many times. So I, get off the, I, I, I call him back, and I go, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'll give you three, but we're going to have the building appraised. And whatever appraised is over $3 million, you're going to give it back to me in a tax letter, in a, like a donation letter, so that I can use that as a down payment. He went for it. The building came in at $4.5 million. So we bought a three million, first building, we bought a $3 million building with no money down. Wow. Do you understand what I just said? Yeah. We bought a $3 million building with no money down. Okay? God was in it. Okay? Where was I going with that? I knew this was going to happen when I told that part of the story. 
No limits. And don't focus on your own right, but that wasn't it. <laughs> now, it had nothing to do with 4.5. had nothing to do with buying the building. Oh, uh, the property in Howell. Yeah. So, so here we are now in this building, okay? Now we're going from this little piece to, to big. Now we go from paying like $3,600 a month rent uh, to now, I forget what the mortgage was back then, probably something like $18,000, $19,000 a month. And we've got, you know, a few months in between to close because commercial closings, you real estate guys know, commercial closings are not like a house, 45 days. Commercial closings could take six months, okay? So in that six months, I to this day don't know how God did it. But I literally had to take my hands off. I couldn't even think about it. Couldn't even think about it because the church was nowhere near the size it is now. The church was not in the financial position that it's in now. But for how it happened, I don't know. But somehow or another, we took the limits off of God. And he was free to come in and perform Ephesians 3.20. We would do exceedingly abundantly above anything. We went effortlessly from paying $3,600 a month within six months paying almost $19,000 a month. And to this day, I couldn't tell you how it happened. It wasn't like the church exploded in growth. Most people didn't even know when anything was going on because we were already meeting in here. Now I know why I went to this. So we go to the township, and if there's anybody here that works in the township, Brick Township is a wonderful town to live in. <laughs> but back then, they gave us a run for our money. So we go to the township, and we sit down with them. All the big shots are there. And we say, okay, you know we've been renting the building, right? Yes. And you know we've been having church there. Yes. So you can't expect us to move out of the building and wait for you to give us approvals. We're staying in the building while you work this deal out. So something that should have taken six months to 12 months took seven years. Wow. Now, here's why I told that story. During that seven years, we felt such limitation here. We were not free to bust any walls down. We were not free to expand. By this time, now the church is growing. At one point in time, some of you might remember, we were doing one service on Saturday night and three services on Sunday morning, and they used to take me out like, and just throw me in the back of the car at the end of the weekend. But we had no choice because we had limitations. We couldn't host any kind of big events here. Why? Because we're afraid if people parked up and down the street back here or parked in somebody else's parking lot that we were going to get complaints from the town. They were, at one point, they, they threatened to shut us down, all this other stuff going back and forth. When you operate under limitations, it puts pressure on you like you cannot believe. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The pressures of limitation will literally knock the wind out of you to the point where you go, you know what, I know this is God, but I can't take this aggravation. I'm done. And we all know people that came to that point and actually gave up. But God doesn't bring us to the point. In the book of Isaiah, it says, shall I bring to birth and not deliver? So we need to study this. We need to really get this. We need to take inventory. We need to remove out of our lives, out of our souls, 
the things that are causing us to put a boundary where God himself goes, I want to help you. I want to deliver you. I want to heal you. I want you to receive everything that I promised to you. But you put up a barrier, and until you knock that barrier down, I can't overcome it. Now, I know this is rubbing some people the wrong way. Because you're thinking, no, no, God doesn't have... Psalm 78 says, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Is Psalm 78 sacred scripture just like all the other scriptures in the Bible? So what do you want to do, hold on to your religious tradition or go with the truth of the word? And the truth of the word says that we as human beings have the capacity to, to cause God to not cross that boundary. And then who suffers? We do. He's going to get his will done. He's going to find somebody else that didn't put up that boundary, that is willing to work him, that is willing to step out in faith, that is willing to say, hey, I'm knocking all these boundaries down. Come and do whatever you want. I'm willing. You can use me. Let's get the job done. He'll find somebody else to do it. You listening? So how do we do it? How do we put these down? We doubt him. We distrust his intentions. But most of all, when we focus on our own abilities. I don't know what it is about us, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. We get saved, we have faith, we believe. Yes, yes, I know Jesus died on the cross for me. I know he suffered a horrible death on my behalf. I know it was the love of God that caused him to go to that cross because of his love for me. I know that. I know he wants me to spend eternity with him. I know he does not want me separated, doesn't want me to perish, doesn't want me to spend eternity in hell. I know that. Yes, Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior. We get born again. Maybe get filled with the Holy Ghost, and then everything after that is a big project. Every time we need something from God or every time he wants to use us in a specific way, now all of a sudden it becomes complicated. It wasn't complicated the day you got born again. April the 25th, 1984, 9.30, Wednesday night, and a little church on the other side of town off at, on Adamson Road. I cried like a baby. Had no, no problem receiving Christ. Yes, I, I want to be born again. I want out from this life. I want no problem. After that, and you know, you do, you do the same thing. After that, well, I don't know. I don't know what God's will. We'll go find out what God's will is. Well, you know, you never know God's will. No, that's not true. You said you never know God's will. God's will is very well, we're very, we, blah. We are very able to determine God's will because he put it in writing. What is it about us? We, we cooperated with God to step into the greatest miracle, the most miraculous thing that could happen to any human being. We went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Just, shh, just like that. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he rose from the dead. Almost effortless. Okay? Almost effortless. And then the first challenge that comes up, the first adversity that comes up, we get all bent out of shape. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, don't, I hope so. I, I, I would like to think that he'd want to do this for me. We overcomplicate it. And then what do we do? We don't take God into consideration. It's like, I'm born again now. 
I got the Holy Ghost in me. I have the wisdom. Christ has been made unto me wisdom, okay? And so what do we do now? Okay, I can handle this myself. And that's where we put the limitation. God goes, oh, no. Here we go. Joe's on the I could do it myself routine again. Oh, so now this process that should have took two weeks now is going to take him three years by the time he realizes what he did. And by the time he repents and by the time he backtracks, it's going to be three years down the road. Am I the only one that does this? We doubt him. We distrust his intentions. Until I, until I understood and received the revelation of righteousness, probably my first eight years as a Christian, I dealt with that distrust his intentions. I always had this feeling that someday, even though I was forgiven, someday God's going to sneak up behind me and pull the rug right out from underneath me. And it's going to be because you did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you said this. And Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. We put limits on God then. Because how are we going to believe him if we think that he's capable of pulling the rug out from underneath us or bringing some retribution or some punishment or, or even a sowing and reaping thing? And so we place limitations. And so we miss opportunities. First time I got asked to teach a Sunday school class. I don't mean for kids, I mean for adults. Panic. Panic. I wouldn't show it. If you were standing there in front of me, I was acting cool as a cucumber. But man, I was dying a thousand deaths on the inside. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They want me to teach on, and that time the platform was a tiny thing, remember? Back then, it was not even... It was like a, a fraction of the size of this platform. And all I kept thinking was, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have to get on that platform. Like it was, you know, Radio City Music Hall, you know? <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to get on that platform. I'm going to have to stand in front of all these people. On the outside, I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> on the inside, my stomach was doing flips. I, f I started feeling a panic headache coming up from behind my shoulders. I started to depend on my strength. I came home that day. For some reason, Barbara's home with the kids. We were living in Seaside Park then. She's standing at the sink doing dishes or doing something. And I told her, what, and she goes, do you really think you're going to do that? No, you think you're going to be able to do that? And I went, I know this isn't nice. I said, don't you ever say anything like that to me again because you, you don't realize what I'm dealing with on the inside here. Because it was, it, was, it was reinforcing this dependence on self rather than what I should have said was, in myself, I can't, but I'm going to tap into the grace of God. And tapping into the grace of God is going to relieve all the limitations of me having to have a vomit bucket on the platform <laughs> the first time I teach adults. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Be careful of that. Okay? Immediately, whenever you're facing something, immediately. And I'm learning from this as I'm teaching you. Because, you know, I'm human just like, well, probably 
less qualified, okay? Be careful that as soon as you start facing a difficulty, a challenge, a change of seasons, that you don't backtrack and you start building that wall. Because instead of your focus on him, you got your focus back on yourself again. And it seems like it's so easy to do that. But thank God for his mercy. Amen. Thank God for the voice of the Holy Spirit that seizes us Amen. and shakes us sometimes if we need it. And we get rid of that junk and we cast all that junk off and we just go, Father, Proverbs chapter 3 says, in all my ways I'm to acknowledge you so that you will do what? Direct my path. I need you to direct my path. I, I can't do this on my own. And you know what? We're not supposed to do it on our own. It's not like there's ever a time that God goes, you know what? I'm really pleased with your progress. I'm going to leave you alone now. <laughs> oh, my God, no, don't do that. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I sound like your mother. Yeah, we, we say stuff like that, but we say stuff like that to each other. You're, this is all I heard. Now, looking at me now, you wouldn't say, well, you doesn't qualify for that. But most of my life I heard, God gave you big shoulders. You can handle this. How many of you heard that one? What does it do? Is it, are you helping me? Now you just, now my big shoulders feel like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're not helping. We do that to each other. Oh, you got this. You're right. You got, oh, you got this. No, I don't want to have this. I don't want to got this. I don't want this. I want him to carry it. I want him. I want to know that he's right there. I want to know that the Holy Ghost has soon anti lambeno. He's come alongside with me to take hold together with me against. I don't want to move the piano on my own. I want him to help me. And when we get to that place, we start, the, the limitations start just falling off. They just start falling off. But we got to get to that place. And that's why I started this teaching with that statement in the beginning. The only entity in the entire universe that can place a limitation of God is not the devil. It's us. He steamrolls the devil. He doesn't respect the devil's will. The devil's an angel. Angels are created beings. Angels are subservient to God. There's no, oh, it's the devil and God. No. No. He's not on the same level. He's not on the same par as God. They're the same species as God. He doesn't have any respect for the devil, but he loves us. And he respects us. And thank God that he's long-suffering with us so that even every once in a while, even when we're messing up, he's got to come along, take our hand, and go, come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's walk through this. Let's walk through this. I'm going to teach you a few things. But if you put a boundary up, if you tovah, then there's that invisible, what do they call it, force shield? Force field. Force field. How many of you guys saw that movie Battleship? 
Nobody saw the movie Battleship. Come on, don't leave me hanging here. How many of you saw the movie Battleship? Okay, so the aliens come, they land, you know, they're in the ocean, the Navy comes out, and they're just sailing towards that thing, the gigantic structure in the ocean that popped up, and all of a sudden, crash. They couldn't see it. We don't see it. Listen to me, look at me. When we put those, when we put that force field up, we don't see it. It's only when we bump, bump our nose into it that we recognize, oh, man, I put a limitation up here. My God, the one who created the universe, I've limited him in my life. We got six minutes left. Let's introduce the next part of this, okay? We'll finish it next week? I didn't hear that many people... Okay. Judges chapter 6. Haven't taught on this in a while. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Story of Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came. Who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus. Pre-incarnate Jesus. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, which is an oak tree. Okay, so we can say it this way. He sat under an oak tree, which was not Winfrey, <laughs> Oprah, the, the town, the village, Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizurite, like that means something to us. <laughs> so we know that this belongs to this family, the Abizurites, okay? While his son Gideon, now watch this now, read it closely. I know some of you know where I'm going with this because you've read it so many times, but I also know there's some, maybe that you're new to this whole thing, okay? While his son, who? Gideon, Gideon did what? Threshed wheat in the? In order to hide from the Midianites. Now, we, we won't get that far, but I'll do it tonight. If you want to thresh wheat, you can't do it in a wine press. Why? You thresh wheat in an open space so the wind can come by and pull away all the, the chaff, all the way, all the, the, what do you call it? Scorcher, what do you call it? Uh, the, 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 the outside. Is that what they call a chaff? Husk, thank you. I had to go to a Sicilian word to understand an English word. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in a wine press. Well, what is a wine press? A wine press, you build uh, either out of wood, you build this, this thing that you put the grapes in, or back then, you built a stone wall and you threw the grapes in there and you smushed them, okay? But the wall stops the wind from coming to remove the husk. So only a madman or somebody who's paralyzed with fear would attempt to thresh wheat in a wine press because you're never going to accomplish it. Because when you thresh wheat, you have to throw the wheat kernels up in the air so that the wind takes away the real light husks and leaves the shell that falls to the ground. How are you going to do that when the wall that you've placed the wheat in is stopping the wind from hitting the wheat? So we're not dealing with somebody who's got a full deck here right now. Are you listening? 
So while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to do what? Now, why is he doing this crazy thing? Because everybody passed by and go, what happened to Joe Ashley and Beasy Wright's son Gideon? Why is he doing it? In order to hide it from the who? The Midianites. Why? Because the Midianites, their tactic was just like Hamas. They'd attack them, withdraw. Wait for the Israelites to build up their crops, build up their wealth, and then they would attack again. And then they would wait a couple of more years for them to build up their wealth and build up their crops to come for the harvest, and then the Midianites would come in, just like the devil, okay? You get on your feet, you get a couple of bucks in the bank, what happens? The car breaks down, the washing machine breaks down. You, you, you know, the kid gets sick and you don't have any insurance and all this other stuff. He knows when to hit. Yes or no? Next verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, this is the guy that's threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid of the Midianites. So this guy's got limitations, right? Yes or no? Yes. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, said to him, the Lord is with you. Come on, say it real nice and loud with me. You mighty man of valor. And guarantee Gideon went. Who are you talking to? You see it? You get the picture? Okay, next verse. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, um, if the Lord is with us, here, now watch this now. Here's the thing we usually do. We're going to make every excuse why we can't function normally without limitations. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Oh, it's got nothing to do with the fact that they're worshiping idols. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're disobedient to God. It has nothing to do with the fact that they've grown cold in their love for God. It's all God's fault. How could you do this to us, right? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, hold on, back up. That, tr that statement, that last sentence there is part true and part false. It's true that they, they were delivered into the hand of the Midianites, but it's not true that the Lord has forsaken them. Well, how, how can you prove that? Who's standing there talking to him? <laughs> Who's standing there talking to him? The Lord. You know what he's saying? The Lord's forsaken us, and Jesus is standing there going, <laughs> did the Lord forsake them? No, he showed up on the scene to give them instructions, to give him a strategy of how he's going to get out of this thing. Yes or no? Yes. Next verse. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. What's the might that is his? Hold on. Jesus says to him, go in this strength of yours. What strength? Have I not sent you? Listen to me, and we're going to stop here. There are times that all you're going to have to go on is this. I know God told me this. I know God told me to do this. I know God told me to go such and such a place. I know God told me to. And, that's, and you're going to have to draw your strength from that. 
Are you listening to me? I do pray in the name of Jesus that you got something tonight. Most of all, I pray that I I ignited a fuse in you. Because too many of us have abandoned our dreams. Too many of us have backed off on things because we didn't see them come to pass right away. Too many of us gave up. Too many of us changed our conversations when we used to talk faith and talk faith and talk faith, and now we're talking limitations. I pray in the name of Jesus that something that we shared tonight, talked about tonight, has ignited that thing in you. And by the time we're done next week at this time, we're going to have a room full of lions in this place. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Dismiss. If you need prayer for anything, come on up.